0: So much preaching and so much living of the Christian life today is centered around ideas about the man Christ Jesus or principles that surround Christianity and how we should be living. And so little preaching and so little living is actually about and in and through the man, Christ Jesus. And so when we read a quote like that, when we see that, we, we know that Tozer is really just lifting off the page what was in Paul's heart. Paul said, we preach Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4, 5. We preach not ourselves, but we preach Jesus Christ as Lord's. Have you ever heard a sermon about the man preaching the sermon? I've preached some of those. Instead of Christ Jesus and keeping him center, have you ever seen a life that's talking about Jesus as if he's not in the room? They're living like he's not really there. They're paying him lip service, but their hearts are far from him. And Paul says, Jesus, who we preached among you, is the one we proclaim. He says, Jews demand signs and Greeks demand wisdom, but we preach Christ Jesus. He is the one we proclaim. So in all sermoning and in all living, we must remember that the plumb line is Christ Jesus. If we do not proclaim Christ, we've missed the point. If I don't find Jesus in my Bible, I've missed the point. If if my life isn't being lived in and through Christ, I've missed the point. So easy to get off of that. And I'm here just to bring a reminder of that today based on what I read in Hebrews this week and I've been wrestling with all week. Go with me if you would to Hebrews chapter 13, the end of this beautiful book. And I have prayed lots and lots of apostolic prayers over the years. I've given them to you guys to pray, prayers by apostles, even prayers by the the high priest, the apostle, Jesus Christ. But I've never prayed this one, and I have no idea why, but I've left it out of the repertoire of praying, and I wanna read it to you because I've been praying it over you this week, and I've been wrestling with what the word is in that. Hebrews 13 20. Now, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, or through the blood that sealed the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, verse 21, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will, working in us or accomplishing in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever. And ever. Um, An important part of this verse is found in verse 21 here. The Lord is equipping you with everything good for doing his will. And the NIV says, and may he, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Unfortunately, that's not right. I love the NIV, but that's not the right translation. The, The word working is a continuation of the previous thought. So ESV says it this way, he's equipping us with everything good for doing his will, working in us that which is pleasing. So that we know from this that how God's equipping us to do his will is he's working in us that which is pleasing to him. So we can only do his will by him working in us doing the pleasing thing that he wants to accomplish in us in the first place. So the God of peace who raised from the dead Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you or may he perfect you or may he align in you, may he supply and may he provide in you with everything good, why? For doing his will. How will he do this? Well, he will do this by working in you or accomplishing in you or doing in you what is pleasing to him, through what means, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory and honor forever and ever. So pay, pay attention to the prepositions there. For, he's equipping us what? For, with everything good, what, why? For doing his will. How is he doing that? He's working in us that which is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ unto his honor and glory. A simple outline of those verses there. This smacks of Philippians chapter two. You remember, you work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to work according to his good pleasure. It's both... And you do the working out of your salvation because God is working in. And so the truth is, and this word equip is so important to us, as you know, we're called elder to equip out of Ephesians chapter four, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry so that the body of Christ is built up. And here this word is equipping you with every good thing so that you can go do the good works that are already inside of you. So you remember, each one of you has good works inside of you in seed form. Good works. These good works are locked up inside of us in seed form until God unlocks them and gets them out. So God works in us to get the good works out of us. God's working in us to get the very things that he wants out of us out of us to work in us what is pleasing to him. Why does it matter what's pleasing to God? Because God is the boss and whatever he says goes. We want to be pleasing to him. This is a different mindset than the Adam nature where I try to please myself. I want to be pleasing to him now. Previously, I did not want to be pleasing. I wanted to please myself. Yes, I had a desire to please God, but it was separated from my own life. Now I wholeheartedly want to please him. Imperfectly, as it may be, I still want to be pleasing to him. It's my conviction that everyone wants to do this, and I want to unpack that here in just a minute. So what is pleasing to God? He wants to do in us that which is pleasing to him. So we must ask the question, what's pleasing to him? So here's a quick list of some things that are pleasing to God. A few verses earlier in, in verse 16 the fruit of lips praising his name, sharing, and giving to others. This pleases God. Romans chapter 12, 1. Offering your body as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God. Offering your body is pleasing to God. Colossians 3.20, children, right kids? Obey your parents and the Lord. This pleases the Lord. 1 John 3.22, we keep his commands and that pleases him. Colossians 1.10, we walk worthy of him. We bear fruit and grow in knowledge. That pleases God. Philippians 4.18, we give tithes and offerings. Those are acceptable and they're pleasing to God. What's the point in all this? What pleases God? good works, that pleases God. Doing things according to his will, good works are according to his will. Doing those pleases the Lord. Now here comes the rub. Stay with me. Stay with me. Everybody, I believe, wants to please God, even atheists who don't believe in him. I think everybody in their inner nature has a desire to be pleasing at the end of their life. At least I'm a good person. At least I gave to the poor, I gave to this cause. Everybody, I think, without knowing it, wants to be pleasing to God. Now, especially his children. His children always want to be pleasing to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my... Psalms 19. We have a desire for God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. The rub is that we try to be pleasing to God with our good works. We try to do these good works. Children, obey your parents. I wanna give tithes and offerings. I wanna live in a way that's worthy and pleasing. I wanna do all of this. The rub is we try to do that in our flesh and we try to work up something good for God that we can offer him as a pleasing sacrifice. And God says, I have no regard for that. Remember with me, Abel and Cain. Cain really wanted to please the Lord. Go back with me to Hebrews uh, chapter 11, if you would, a couple pages back. By faith, verse four, Hebrews 11:4. four. By faith, Abel, Abel brought to God a better offering than Cain did. Who brought offerings to God? Both of them. Cain really wanted to please the Lord, but by faith, Abel was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead, Cain really wanted to do that for God, but, but God had no regard for it, and Cain got hacked off, remember? And then in Genesis chapter four, God says to him, why are you so downcast? If you do right, will you not be accepted? Meaning, I really appreciate your effort, Cain, but it's not done the right way. If you do right, I'll accept your offering, just like Abel did right? Well, what does that mean? Well, it's important to remember that, just go with me two verses down in Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Abel brought a sacrifice of faith. Cain brought a sacrifice of works. So Romans 8, 8. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. And Hebrews 11:6, 6, without faith, it's impossible. Listen to those words, cannot and impossible. I want to be pleasing to God. Well, let me tell you how it's impossible. No faith. Let me tell you how you cannot please God if you're in the realm called the flesh. It's impossible to do it. No matter how hard we try, if it ain't right, it ain't Right? Will you not be accepted if you do right? Cain's like, that's frustrating to me because I wanna do it my way. I wanna give you an offering my way and the Lord says, I have no regard. I really appreciate your effort here, but I cannot accept it, it's impossible. So um, Chase Holton's here. Everybody say hi to Chase Holton. Laura has a son named Chase, love Chase. You get your checks from City of El Dorado, yes? Terry Bell. Terry Bell over here, you get your checks from Susan B., the hospital, okay? Chase walks into Terry's boss, knocks on the door. Hey boss, can I talk to you? Whoa, okay, yeah, who are you? Chase, I was wondering if I could get a raise. I've been working really hard, showing up early, I kinda got some management potential. What do you think? Boss is like, I really appreciate that. What's your name again? Why are you here in my office? At Susan B. Well, I'm just working really hard. I just want to get a raise. He's in the wrong realm. It makes no sense to Terry's boss why he could, could or should give him a raise. No matter how hard he's been working for the city of Dorado. great, and vice versa. And so if I'm in the realm of the flesh, nothing I do, no matter how hard I work it up, can be pleasing to God. Cain, like, busted his back to go offering all those sacrifices of the fruits and vegetables to the Lord. It was not without merit. He worked hard. So many people working hard for the Lord, and the Lord's like, I love you, but you gotta do it the right way. You gotta do it the right way. You gotta be in faith to offer me a sacrifice that means anything. Uh, Jim Elliot. Love Jim Elliot. He has a famous quote. You've probably heard it. Only one life... Twill soon be past. Help me finish it. Only what's done for Christ will last. Beautiful quote. I want to tread lightly here and correct that quote with one word. Love Jim Elliot, and he might rebuke me someday when I get up there. But I don't believe that's right. Only one life. Twill soon be past. Only what's done. In Christ will last. Because a lot of people do things for Christ that doesn't last. Didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out demons in your name? Didn't I do all these great works of power? He's like, I don't know you. Depart from me. No, not what's done for Christ, what's done in and through Christ's life through me. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If I go serve the poor and I stand in soup lines and I'm handing out food every single week for the rest of my life, but I do it as a Mormon or as I, if I do it as a Hindu and I've not gone through the door of Christ Jesus, he's like, you worked really hard, but it doesn't count for anything. Your righteousness is like filthy rags to me. It doesn't matter what you did. It only matters what he did. And only what he's doing through you counts in heaven. Only what's done in Christ will last. We all want to be pleasing. Abel is the first name in the Hall of Faith book. Can you believe that? That just struck me. I mean, he didn't start with Abraham. He started with Abel. That's fascinating to me. He brings a sacrifice of an animal. So listen, post-fall, God opened a new way to worship him. Had to be a new way because of the fall. Post-fall, now we worship him post-fall, he says, by sacrifice by confession of sin, by forgiveness, by bloodshed. That's the way, that's the right way to worship God post-fall. So now there's two types of worshipers. We have those who come in faith, Abel, and those who come in formality, Cain. Those who come at the heart level in faith doing what he said, and those who come at the lip level honoring him with their words, but it's only a formal routine. Which are you? How do you worship the Lord? First, Abel brings atonement, a blood sacrifice. Second, Cain brings acknowledgement. You help me grow these fruits and vegetables, I bring them to you. I tithe my 10% because you're worthy. I acknowledge you as the man upstairs. Faith and atonement or formality and acknowledgement. Where are you at? Because without faith, you cannot please him. No matter how hard you try, it cannot be right. You cannot be pleasing to God unless you follow his way. What is his way? How can we be pleasing to God? And we know the answer. It's in and through Christ Jesus. In and through Christ Jesus. Because the question isn't, how can I be pleasing to God? The question is, who can be pleasing to God? Who is pleasing to God ultimately? And the scriptures are replete with the answer Jesus. Christ Jesus, the perfect man that he was looking for all along. The second Adam, he was looking for a man. The whole time we had great heroes of the faith, but they all fell. And the Lord says, I'm looking for the pleasing one in whom is all of my delight. In Matthew chapter three, in the river, Jesus comes up and the dove comes down and he says, behold, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And then in Matthew chapter 12, go with me if you would. We, we've got it up on the screen. He's, he moves from being in the river to Matthew chapter 12. He's now in Isaiah. He, in, he's in Isaiah according from Isaiah 42. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love, in whom I am well pleased, in whom I delight, in whom I take pleasure in. I will put my spirit on him and he'll proclaim justice to the nations. And then lastly, at the end of Matthew chapter 17, on the mountaintop of transfiguration, behold, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Who is pleasing to God? Jesus. So God has no regard for the flesh sacrifices any offerings or sacrificing done in the flesh because it's impossible in the realm of the flesh to please God you cannot do it he has no regard for it he loves you no regard for it but Jesus listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 8 i always do what's pleasing to him John 8:29 the one who sent me is with me he has not left me alone for i always, I, do you always do what's pleased? I don't, I mean, Jesus does. And Jesus is always doing what's pleasing to God, always. That's who God was looking for. Only his son in whom he's well-pleased. Alita prayed this morning. Why does God love you and me? Because he loves Jesus. Jesus in me, when he sees us, he says, my beloved son and daughter with whom I'm well-pleased because of Jesus in me. I know you guys know this. So it does not matter unless it's done in faith and in the realm of the Spirit and through the life of Christ working in and through us. Notice here, Hebrews 13 starts with the God of peace, and then he gets to what's glorifying to him, and that's because a life of sin is a life of chaos, but a life where the God of peace comes in and he works in us that which is pleasing to him brings peace in my life and rest in my soul. Jesus is all in all. Colossians chapter three, when Christ who is your life appears, you will appear with him in glory. Paul says, Philippians 1. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For Paul, everything started and finished in Christ. Anything good that happened through him happened because of Christ in him working it out. I no longer live but Christ lives in me. The life I live now in the flesh I live by faith and the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. No, anything done in Christ Jesus will last. Anything done in my own good ideas, my flesh, in the realm of the flesh, it cannot please God. If I don't do the work by faith, it can't be pleasing. I want to learn to live by faith because my righteous one will live by faith. I don't need to invent good works to go do. They're already there. I need God to unpack those good works from my heart. I need him to bring those forward. I want to be pleasing to him, but I don't need to just throw it against the wall and hope it sticks. He'll lead me forth. And real quick, let me me take a little sidestep here. Just as a reminder, I know you guys know this, but here's the four steps. According to Romans, if you've not not read um, Watchman's Normal Christian Life, read it. It's so helpful. It's Christianity 101. So it starts in Romans number one with an acknowledgement of the fact that you and I were put to death on Christ's cross 2,000 years ago. It's an effectual fact in my life today. I have to have revelation to understand the fact that his experience is my experience. I was put to death on Christ's cross and I no longer live. I have nothing to offer God anymore. I have no power to offer to God. Nothing in my flesh can please him. He has no regard. It was, past tense, put to death. I no longer live, but now Christ lives in me. Number two, I reckon myself dead to sin. I acknowledge the fact and daily I square myself up with an accounting term to say, I'm dead to sin in Christ Jesus. I no longer have to serve that as a master. I live by grace now. I'm under a different rule. I reckon myself alive to God in Christ Jesus. Number three then, I don't offer myself to sin anymore. I don't present my members as slaves to impurity anymore. How do I do that? And we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. It's by the Spirit that I put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. How do I live in holiness? How do I walk free from sin? Somebody finish the sentence for me. We walk by the the Spirit. Because Galatians 5.16 says, those who walk by the Spirit will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So we must learn fourthly, what does it mean to walk in the new way of the spirit? Romans 7, 6. We're walking in a new way now, not in the old way of the letters. We're, we're by the spirit putting to death the misdeeds of the flesh, Romans eight fourteen. Those who are led of the spirit of God are the sons and the daughters of God. So, number one, I was put to death on Christ's cross. Number two, I reckon myself, I am dead to sin. Number three, therefore, I don't have to present my body as, uh, uh, to sin any longer to serve as a slave. And number four, I learn how to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. I wanna stay in step. I wanna stay in the lane. I don't wanna quench The Holy Spirit over here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to be open to what he's saying and what he's doing. But over here, I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 4. No, I don't want to quench him. And I don't want to grieve him. I want to learn to stay in step with the Holy Spirit right here. Right here. Does that make sense? So I want to live a life in step with the Holy Spirit. I won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature anymore. Let me finish here. You've got good works in you. People in the world trying to walk it out through 501c3s, feeding ministries. The Antichrist is gonna do a ton of good humanitarian work. I promise, a ton of good humanitarian work. Whatever's done in Christ is going to last. The rest of it doesn't mean anything to the Lord. He appreciates Cain's efforts, but he says it's, it's not right. My good works that I have inside of me have to be redeemed. I must be recreated and born again in Christ Jesus. Think about a tree that's dead at the roots. You go out there and you cut off the branch that still has some sap in it, and you cut off the branch. You go dig a hole and you bury the branch down in the soil. A few weeks or a few months later, up comes a sprout, New life has sprung forth from the old, that was put down underneath the ground. New life comes up. And God says, "That's all that matters, is the new life coming up." Second Corinthians 5:17. "If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. That's all that matters to God. Whatever he put in my heart back in the day to go walk out that I tried to figure out in my flesh, he's like, I have no regard for that. But when you lay your life down with mine and the new stuff comes up and it's sanctified, that's what's gonna bear a lot of fruit. Tons of fruit. The Lord has good works inside of you. Are you willing to embrace the cross and say, you put to death anything that's of me and you resurrect anything that's from you and we'll go from there. God has a benefits package. If you sign up today, you will earn mega rewards in heaven. If you're not a believer, if you are a believer, I wanna remind you of what you got when you signed up. When you signed on board to the Lord's army in Psalms 103, we'll finish with this, you got a benefits package. Uh, you uh, get a huge salary someday. You get a mansion someday. Uh, you get health and wholeness and healing forever and ever. Uh, you might die in the meantime, uh, and you'll be scourged and ridiculed, but I'm glad you signed up. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Psalms 103, 2. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not his benefits. Here's the package that you got. Number one, he forgives all your sins. Number two, he heals all your diseases spirit, soul, and body. Number three, he redeems your life from the pit. Number four, He crowns you with love and compassion. And then number five, he satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. When you signed up for being in God's army and the benefits package came, the benefits package started with your forgiveness of sins. It's how we all got in. We had to be forgiven of our sins to enter into the kingdom of heaven. That moved, then, what the Lord does next with us after He forgives our sins is He begins to heal us. We're renewed by the transformation of our minds. He begins to heal us spirit, soul, and body. We don't get the long-term healing here physically. We eventually die. That's coming soon. But he begins to transform us from the inside out. Then during the healing process, he begins this thing called redemption. He's buying back our life. What we gave the enemy in our old life, the Lord's buying back and he's redeeming that. The good works that you had inside of you, my desire, what I wanted to do, was I wanted to be mega successful in business back in the day. And so the, the, I had some good desires in there. I wanted, I wanted to be a businessman. I went and got the degree and all that kind of stuff. And I wanted to go rule the world for the glory of God and a lot of money. And so the Lord's like, hey, we gotta work on that. What I'm gonna need you to do is I'm gonna need you to give that to me and follow me and let it all die. Everything die. But then what he did was he resurrected the work I had in my heart to steward in business, but now the business that I'm doing has nothing to do really and truly with the the big purpose in my life. It's all, Lord, what do you wanna do with this? You steward it through me. It doesn't mean what it did before, but it's kind of the same thing. Does that sound familiar? Savannah, we were just talking about this. Savannah goes for performing arts and she gets this mega degree to go down to Oklahoma Christian University or something. Yeah, Oklahoma City, that's it. And she's wildly talented and she gets down there and she tells us her testimony over dinner a while back. She's like, I'm just singing all these like performance songs and they're so empty. Jesus wasn't in them. And so I found no satisfaction unless I was singing about Jesus. So she gives it up. She gives it to the Lord and she comes back to Eldorado and meets old Luke Beal back there, older Luke Beal back there, the worship guy. And they get married, and now look what they're doing, and there's more to come from them. But see, the very thing that was in her heart had maybe some flesh wrapped around. The Lord had to separate that from the Spirit. He says, no, I, wanna, I wanna resurrect in you what was in there in the first place, but we gotta give it up. What's in you? What's in you? Some of you have... Orphanage ministry in some of you. Some of you have feeding ministries. Some of you have healing signs and wonders and gifts and healing. Some of you hospital. Some of you have so many things that haven't been unpacked yet because the Lord's waiting. He's like, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. You have no idea how good it's going to be when you just give it to me and let me live through you. So He forgives us. He heals us. He redeems us in Christ, and then somewhere along the way, He crowns us and he teaches us to walk in our authority in the thing he's given us to walk in. He doesn't crown us first, he forgives us first, but he gets there and when when we begin to get our life redeemed and walk in the full purposes and measure he's called us to walk in, we begin to see this authority sit on us. Now I've got authority. I've got authority in Christ. It's not my own authority, it's his. And then towards the end, he begins to satisfy us. Remember delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you what? The desires of your heart. You begin to realize, right? Older people, as you look back in time, you're like, oh, the Lord's given me everything I really, really ever wanted in the first place. When I gave my life to him, I thought it was a sacrifice. Turns out it wasn't. It was just a huge, good investment. I just invested and then I got everything back 100 fold He's so good to me, and he's satisfying my life. He's he's actually giving me my life back because I gave him my life, and now he gives it back. A hundredfold, amen? I, I decided not to try to find my life here because those who do that lose it. Those who lose their life, they find it. So Christ is our benefits package. Everything was summed up. He did not give us anything outside of Christ. The forgiveness, the healing, the redemption, the crowning, the satisfaction, all came in the man, Christ Jesus. Nothing separate from him. So we preach Christ. We preach Christ. He is the one we proclaim. We fill our minds with him. We fill our lips with him. Our hearts are full with affection for him. Do you know him? Do you know him? Because Christianity is super boring without Christ. Seriously, it's dry and it's crusty. But if I know the man, Christ Jesus, and he infiltrates every part of my life, it's oily. It's fun. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his soul? Bernie Madoff just died. In prison, anybody remember Bernie Madoff from 2008? Biggest Ponzi scheme in history, $65 billion. The man lived as a king on the earth. Just, I don't know why, I was just curious about him this week. Maybe to say this. And his son's working for him, had a gigantic investment firm, gigantic. Multiple different parts. One of the sections of his investment firm was investing wealthy people's money. And then he got to the point where people trusted him so much because he gave consistent returns year over year over year, like 15%, that he started getting money from like hedge funds, huge amounts of money coming in. And all he was doing was robbing Peter to pay Paul. He, somebody wanted their money, they wanted their $10 million, so he'd just take it from over here, it wasn't really invested, and he'd just give them their $10 million back and show them it was a 15% return. And it all worked great until 2008, when everything came crashing down and people started calling saying, give me my $600 million or give me my $6 billion back or the hedge fund, I want my $30 billion back and there was no money. So he gathers his sons and his wife in their penthouse apartment in New York City and he confesses to them on December 10th, I think 2008 and one son breaks down weeping, falls against the wall. One son blows up screaming mad, how could you do this? He never sees his dad. He never sees his mom. He takes his grandkids away. Horrible, horrible media coverage for a year. He gets sentenced to 150 years in prison. His wife leaves him, obviously. One son hangs himself with the dog leash. The other son dies of leukemia. The wife gets a stipend to live off of. And his name for all time will be dragged through the mud. And I thought, I wonder what he would trade now. Because he pursued the world. That's a mega example of pursuing the world and really forfeiting your soul. But on a small level, are you not pursuing 65 billion, but are you pursuing 65,000? Are you pursuing the world? Because I promise you in the end, it does not satisfy. It only leads to death and destruction. There is no satisfaction apart from Christ Jesus. This world is empty. It gives us nothing in return. God gives us everything. He's the fountain of living waters. I wanna be found pursuing him. I wanna be found my heart burning for him. I wanna be well-pleasing to him. So Lord, we just pause here Holy Spirit, I pray that you would unpack for us everything that's in the Lord's heart today. I pray that you would reveal to us the good works. Equip us with everything that's good by doing in us that which is pleasing to you, God. We don't wanna pursue the world, Lord, We don't want to chase after the wind, Lord. We really want you. We really want you, Lord. So for every way that we've pursued our own ambitions, our desires, our plans, our goals, Lord, forgive us. We lay them down. Our creative ideas, we lay them down, God. Our well-intentioned goals, we lay it down, God. And we say, only what you want to do. Here I am, God. Do in me all that you want to do. Do in me what's well-pleasing to you. Just agree with me if you would. If you're ready, God's ready. I hear him saying that today. If you're ready, I'm ready. If you're ready to give your life to me, I'll give my life to you. Lord, we wanna walk in a way that's pleasing to you. I pray that you would teach us as a people to live by faith, not by sight. You deserve it all. You deserve our little, tiny, short lives. And we offer them to you again freshly, Lord. We wanna be found in Christ, God. So Lord, bless these precious brothers and sisters, Lord. I pray that together we would grow in grace. I pray that together, Lord, we would begin to walk out the good works that we have in us. I pray, Father, for a building up today of the saints. Everyone in here would be built up in the name of Jesus, Lord. We just give you this upcoming week. We thank you for this day of rest. We thank you for the beginning of it, Lord. And we say, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys so much. Thank you for coming. Love you.